Welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. At Stand Up Tragedy, we gather together performers from all sorts of areas of the arts, comedy, music, spoken word, storytelling and more. And we get them to stand up on stage and do some tragedy. Now that's whatever tragedy means to them. And something I like to say to people at the start of a Stand Up Tragedy show or podcast is that it's important to remember that tragedy is about sad things. So consider this a content note. There will be things touched on that will be sad, like death or other sad and upsetting things. We like Stand Up Tragedy to be a safe space, but it's a safe space where we talk about dark and sad and tragic things. Today's episode is part two of Tragic Friends, which was an Edinburgh reunion gig which we had on the 25th of September. If you want to catch some live tragedy, come to the Hackney Attic on the 25th of October for our last stand-up tragedy live show of 2014. It's a Halloween special, Tragic Horror. And we've got a really amazing lineup, including a steampunk storytelling band, The Mechanisms, new popular reciter James Mackay doing a Victorian story that is one of the scariest stories that you'll have ever heard. We've got werewolf erotica, we've got music, we've got true storytelling. It's going to be a really great night. And it's on a Saturday, which means we can stay out late and we don't have to worry about getting up the next day. So come on down to the Hackney Attic on the 25th of October. And now sit back, relax, get ready to listen to some tragedy. This is Act Two of Tragic Friends. Okay. Hello again. Hello. Welcome back to the second act of Tragic Friends. Uh, we've got some more tragedy to share with you, some more of our tragic friends to share with you. Now, our, um, and as I, yes, um, so I hope you're all thinking about uh, themes for the acts and I hope you're all taking pictures and sharing them with us. We're at Stand Up For Tragedy on Twitter and we're on Facebook as well. Um, while I'm doing some sadmin, I might as well uh, let you know that I, I released an album this month and I'd really love you all to listen to it. It's called uh, Bouncy Poppy Songs About Death as you'd expect from someone who does a night called Stand Up Tragedy. Uh, it's kind of a collaboration with some other people which makes it easy for me to say it's really good because uh, they did stuff on it too so I don't feel like I'm like liking myself. I feel like I'm liking other people so it's easy. So you should uh, listen to that. You can find it on Bandcamp. Pay what you like, like tonight so you can pay nothing for it or you can pay something for it. Both are appreciated. Um, yes, and uh, yes, as I said, when you leave, if you have to leave early, please put some money in our hat because uh, that's what pays our acts to bring the tragedy that you're seeing tonight. And now, without further ado, yes, that's the magic sound of our hats, the jester's hats. Uh, yes, without further ado, I'm going to welcome our first performers of this, of this act. Uh, so we've got a member of two different bands, 
but they got married, so it's kind of like they're, they're, a, they're a couple from two bands. It's, it's, it's nice, two bands coming together in the next act. Uh, the two bands are Sergeant Buzzfuzz and Slate Islands, both of which you should check out, uh, both of which, uh, yeah, www.slateislands.com. See, it's easy, this URL stuff, isn't it? It's easy to work out. www.sergeantbuzzfuzz.com. There you go. So that's where you go to see them, but you don't have to go there now because they're going to come to this stage right this moment. So put your hands together, everyone, for Joe Murphy and Polly McLean. marriage uh, we're going to first have a musical divorce because I'm doing a song on my own first <laughs> um, anyway <clears throat> we've got a few tragic things going on tonight the first is that my shoes are tragically noisy um, I wouldn't have bought them if I'd realised how noisy they were so I'm going to have to stand very still I think um, so as not to provide an accidental a rhythm section um, and the other tragic thing is that we've both had a bit of a stomach bug all week um, <laughs> And I remember seeing an interview with David Suchet once about playing Poirot and how he got Poirot's mincing walk. And it was something about, wasn't it something about holding a penny between his buttocks or something? And anyway, so we're doing a bit of that tonight. We're being a bit Poirot tonight. And I realise that's probably more information than you want. A bit tragic oversharing there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving swiftly on. <clears throat> I'm going to do a song. Uh, I think it's fantastic what... what Dave and the gang do and we were really uh, delighted to have a chance to play in, in Edinburgh and to be here again tonight um, so kind of in honour of that I'm going to do a song that I've never sung in public before um, I've sung it once to my band um, uh, but that's it so only those three people have, have heard it <clears throat> uh, and it's a song about the tragedy of not being able to have children and uh, not just not being able to have children but being an only child who can't have children. Um, so it's called The End of the Line. <clears throat> I've also got a throat pastel stuck to my teeth which is not very rock and roll. Excuse me a minute. <coughs> I am the end of the line I am the great full stop I carried my family's hopes I let them drop So now as we just disappear What was the point of it all? And will anyone hear my family tree fall? Photographs spread on the bed, tears that fall like rain. All of these faces are gone, never to come again. The story that just petered out, the sad unraveling thread, the love that wasn't enough, dead 
dead, dead. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I have proved so fruitless. And I wither, I wither, I wither, futureless and rootless. I am the end of the line. I am the great full stop. I carried my family's hopes. I let them drop. So now as we just disappear, what was the point of it all? And will anyone hear my family tree fall? This is a, a bouncy, poppy song about tragedy. <laughs> Jane Flood left for the smoke Away from the willow With the promise of a six-day week Away from the shore Mixing drinks for important folk Away from the willow Soon learn to turn the other cheek Away from the shore Live with an uncle in quicker wood Away from the willow Sunken eyes and shaking hand Away from the shore Jimmy me back, he knew he should to the willow Once he had enough to buy some land Land, land by the shore You can't go back To the willow You can't go back To the willow You can't go back To the willow You can't go to the shore He was working on a weekend shift She said What you, you frying? She said don't you have eyes in your head He laughed Like a bell She said I'm listening These eggs need attention He said I'm flying She said fly back at the end of the shift He, he said Very well Later, the sun in a carton And under the mattress Two grand and a bucket of dreams In a cell in, in the sky. sky Lizzie gave up on her dreams Of becoming an actress He was a ball in a pinball machine Time, Time passing by Come 
can't go back to the willow, you can't go back to the shore. Deals were made in the bar upstairs. He, he was the waiter. waiter. He overheard things here and there. Nothing passed his lips. She took him into their confidence. He did them a favor. If it all came off, he'd been making well. More than tips. Three years looking at a prison wall. Away from the willow. All he needed was 50 grand. Away from the shore. Lizzie didn't know how she felt at all. And where was the willow? Didn't look like he'd get that piece of land. Land by the shore. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Joe Murphy and Polly McLean. <laughs> McLean. I uh, got her name wrong in Scotland, but I have done okay in, 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 uh, in, in England, I guess. Oh, I don't like saying the word England. All right. Um, <laughs> Grew up in Wales. They didn't like the English. Uh, right, anyway, <laughs> they didn't. I mean, it was an un- un- unfortunate situation going into uh, growing up in Wales, uh, going, going to Cardiff as a 12 year old English boy. Uh, it was unfortunate uh, in that, you know, understandably, they hate the English. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't make it better when you're English. Uh, <laughs> just because you disapprove of England doesn't mean you're not from it, uh, as I'm sure we all think. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, right. So I'll stop digging myself a hole and introduce uh, the next act. Um, she, she actually, uh, when she when she contacted me about doing a slot, because she came to stay with us. We sort of uh, in our in our flat, we had a bigger flat than we needed, and uh, we so we sold sold. Uh, you know, floor space, because it's, it's, it's hard to make a living. Uh, so we sold some floor space, and uh, she was one of the people coming, a friend of a friend coming to stay with us. Uh, she contacted me, because she's also a comedian, and she, uh, she said, could she, could she have a slot at Stand Up Tragedy? But her kind of, uh, her, her contacting emails were so negative about her own comedy, uh, like ripping it apart, like really, like really well, like critiquing her own work, uh, that made me think, yes, yeah, she's definitely good, because she really doesn't like herself, and I don't like myself, and that's great. Uh, I can relate to that uh, she'll be a great tragic performer and uh, she was and so we, we've welcomed her back today so put your hands together everybody for Susan Stee thanks everyone thanks everyone and thanks for that slightly weird introduction uh, Dave <laughs> just ignore me that's fine 
Right, um, so uh, it's really great to be here. I live in Brixton, I haven't come far, and I'm quite new to stand-up, so I've got some friends in the audience who still think it's kind of fun to see me. It's all novelty for them. Um, might not be novelty for anyone else, so sorry about that. Um, and I probably shouldn't, I shouldn't say to people I'm not a professional, because it looks really unprofessional, but then I kind of am unprofessional, so I might as well just admit that I'm unprofessional, I don't know. <laughs> might not be the best. Uh, when I am more professional, I won't say I'm unprofessional, then it'll be a better start. I shouldn't really open like this. But um, I have now. So anyway, I will start. Um, but I think that's kind of what I want to talk about, is I want to talk about the tragedy of not, us not being able to say what we really think or feel. Um, and I want to talk about it really in relation to death. But I'll start a bit lighter, because I've got some friends in the audience who want to hear me maybe tell a joke. Um, so I'll start a bit lighter. Um, and um, so, I mean, even I find it hard to talk about how, what I feel. Even like on online dating, I tried to pretend I was some person. So when I did online dating for my like, profile, my tagline... I tried to make out as some really fun, cool person that people would want to date. So I put, as my tagline, um, to make myself look really fun and cool, I put, I look uh, vegetarian, but I eat meat. Um, which is, it's a weird, it's weird, I mean, it's a bit dirty. I didn't mean it like that, I just meant, like, I didn't mean I eat meat, I didn't mean it like that. All I meant was, um, you know, I'm fun. And I, but I think rather than, oh, she looks fun, I think people just thought, she looks vegetarian, you know, or... She looks like a vegetarian version of Amanda Knox. I don't know. Like, that was like, I had to do one joke. Sorry, that was the only joke. There'll be no more jokes now. Um, but it, it was a weird thing to put because I am vegetarian. So it was all a bit odd. And, um, uh, <laughs> and, um, and I am going to talk about death. I'm going to move on to that. But just one last thing on dating, online dating, is um, I don't know if you guys are doing online dating, like Tinder and stuff. Um, my advice is I didn't do that. I did the Guardian dating website, Guardian Soulmates. I don't know if anyone knows it. But for me, it really wasn't the right um, website because, firstly, I don't really read the Guardian that much. And secondly, I don't know if I've got a soul. Does anyone else worry about it? It's a worry, right? I mean, my ex-boyfriend said to me that I didn't have a soul. It's harsh. Yeah, boo him, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, people that are worried now, I'm not going out for any more. He doesn't have a job, so that's the main uh, reason I might have a soul, but that's, that's fine. Um, but I, I feel like um, my friends in the audience know who I'm talking about, and I don't want to like, just talk to my friends, but people that, no, I feel like we're all friends here, you know. Like, friends, do I look like, you know, does my soul look small in this outfit? Can you? It's all right, isn't it? Like, you know, I don't wear black anymore. Do you know what they say about black? is um, slimming on the soul, so I uh, don't wear black. <laughs> anyway, this, <laughs> this is weird. I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about tragedy. So I guess the tragedy I really want to talk about is how... Hard it is to talk about how you feel when you have really bad things happen to you. So the thing I'm really kind of thinking about, for me, um, a few people that I really care about died, and I found it really hard to talk to people, and I found that people didn't really want to come up and talk to me. Um, and it was almost like I was sort of wearing a Mexican sombrero. Because, you know, people come up to you, but then they don't want to get too close to you, they don't want to say the wrong thing, and they might get kind of poked in the eye of one of your tassels. Um, I don't know if I'm explaining this properly, but it's not like a happy sombrero. It's like a big Mexican sombrero of sadness. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, um, and it's not because people are mean, but they come up to you. They know that you're upset and they don't know what to say. So they kind of, you know, you think they're going to talk to you and they just give you a weird look. They might like, you know, they kind of tilt their head. They're going to come under the sombrero. But, it, but, it's, but it's weird. So first of all, you just stay at home when someone dies. You don't go out. The sombrero is so big, you can't fit out the front door. Um, and you stay at home and you organise a, a death party, a funeral. Um, and that's a good thing to do because it keeps you busy. Um, so, but I don't know if it's a good way to deal with, with death immediately organising a funeral because um, I just don't think we do it well enough in the UK. So um, my, um, 
Uh, my uh, auntie lives in Ghana in Africa, and there they have like three-day-long funerals where you really feel all the emotion. You talk to them about how you feel. Whereas here, like when my dad died, I had like a 20-minute service at the local crematorium. Like 20 minutes sounds like, you know, it's shit in comparison. It's like a really crap ready meal, isn't it? You know, you just sort of stick it in the oven for 20 minutes. That'll do. It's not, it's not, um, it's not, it's not, that's not, it's a bit, yeah, I shouldn't really talk about, um, I don't know. But I, I shouldn't, I don't know if this is a good analogy, the sort of ready meal funeral thing. But I'm going to continue with it for just a bit longer, so bear with me. Um. Because I sort of feel like when people that I care about have died, I felt a bit like what you feel when you have a ready meal. Like, you know you're going to feel sad and lonely. You, that's what it's like, it says on the packet. You know you're going to get those things. But I got a load of guilt. I didn't expect the guilt. Um, and that's the sort of thing that I want to kind of share. And this is my tragedy, is this kind of this guilt that you feel. Because um, people come up to you and talk to you about the loss that you might feel when someone dies. So, um, but when my dad died, I felt really guilty. And I got cards saying, you must, you know, you're, I'm sorry about your loss. But I wanted people to say to me is... Um, yeah, I'm sorry your dad died pretty early, but you should have been a bit nice to him when he was alive, shouldn't you, you bitch? Like, that's how I felt. But no one sells that card, you know? <laughs> I had a friend die, and um, I felt really guilty because I knew he was depressed, I knew things weren't going well for him, but I didn't feel like I did enough. And I, but, you know, I wanted people to send me a card saying, yeah, you should have fucking done more when he was alive, shouldn't you? Yeah, but again, that card, that greetings card, was a gap in the market for some kind of more realistic... Greetings cards, possibly. Um, but anyway, uh, this is getting... I mean, I, I suppose... Um, someone who saw me perform in Edinburgh said, I think you need to make the audience feel a bit more comfortable, like that you're OK, that you're on top of everything, because it looks unprofessional if you look like you're really sad. So I am on top of things you now. So what you do when you feel guilty, uh, you just gotta, you got to do some things. Here are my tips for what you do when you've got all this guilt. Um, the first thing is just to blame other people. That's a really good thing you can do. Um, I found it hard for the, my, the two, uh, my dad, but for my grandma, I just blame the TV programme Changing Rooms. It's quite a long story, because they, I think they murdered her, but I, don't, I, I can't wait to the story. I shouldn't really brought that up, because I haven't got to tell the story. But that's the sort of blame. Um, <laughs> the other thing you can do is just keep busy. You know, you've got the funeral to organise, the party, but then when that's over, you've got to find a voice to keep busy. So I was lucky. Uh, when my dad died, I had um, bulimia. So that was really great, because, you know, I mean... Bulimia's got a bad name. I know people are sort of going, why is talking about bulimia now? Um, it has got a bad name. I, I take that it has got a bad name. But the really great thing about bulimia is that if you're feeling guilty, if you're worried about having a soul or not, um, if you have bulimia, all you really need to do worry about is kind of what you're going to eat and uh, whether you can be sick. So it's, uh, it's really uh, relaxing in some ways. It really takes your mind off everything else. It's a really great um, thing to have is the, the bulimia, you know. It's kind of the catchphrase of bulimia is, don't be sad, be sick. <laughs> so that's it, really. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm, not, I'm obviously not condoning bulimia, and I don't have it anymore. And there are other eating disorders available, you know, there's other ways you can hate yourself, just hate your body, whatever. Or just, you know, work loads, overwork, like run a community project, start a local currency, do something, just keep yourself busy. <laughs> um, uh, or just watch animal videos. That's another really great thing to do on YouTube, like lots of nice animal videos. Um, so, I suppose, um, moving on and like keeping, you know, a bit few dark things, I'm going to lighten the mood now by talking about um, another time when I didn't know what to say to someone, which was when I found out on Facebook that my um, ex-boyfriend had a really serious motorcycle accident, and now he's now completely disabled from the, from the neck down, like no movement at all, which is really, really... Uh, which is really tragic, and I didn't know what to say to him. And I thought, you know, I'm this kind of death spurt now. I, I don't want to treat people like they're wearing sombrero of sadness. I can just be normal. I'll just talk to him normally. What, can I, what shall I say to him? Um, so I thought, well, what, what do I normally talk to people about? 
Um, and I looked at my emails to people that I normally send people. And the normal thing that I do when I send emails is send them kind of links to cute animal videos on YouTube. Um, and so I thought, I'll just do that to him. So I just sent him um, links to some really cute animal videos. I mean, not mainstream, not cats. Um, like, that would be just, yeah. I mean, I'm more niche. So I like guinea pigs. They're like my favourite. I think they're just so cute. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I sent him, sent him an email with some links to some really cute guinea pig videos. He, he didn't reply, so maybe he doesn't like um, guinea pigs, and that was kind of awkward. But I suppose that I bring this up because it, I felt like it was a, it was a theme, um, which is that bad things seem to happen to people I go out with. So this is, a re- this is where I'm... I'm uh, the last sort of thing I'll, I'll talk about is... Um, uh, I also found out on Facebook that someone that I thought I was really in love with um, died, and um, it was just... Uh, and it was a really difficult one where I felt the guilt I talked about earlier, I felt it so strongly with this person um, because I thought I was in love with him. Like, I knew him from travelling, went to university with him and I kind of thought not only was he great but that he was going to change the world. I'd pinned loads of hopes onto him because he spoke Spanish, he was, really, um, he was really spontaneous, he was prone to be a doctor, he was like captain of the rugby team, he was all these things. I thought he's like Che Guevara, you know, he's going to change the world. But it turns out he was just taking lots of drugs and it's really easy to get those two things confused. <laughs> And, um, like, give you a flavour of this guy. On my 21st birthday, he turned up. I had a boat party, which you normally have to kind of arrive to on time and leave, uh, stay till the end because the boat's moving. But he got there late. He'd dressed up as a Long John Silver, but he'd pegged up his leg, so he was running even more late. Um, and not only was he dressed as Long John Silver, he decided to act in the character of that all night, even talk to all my friends who, who didn't know him. So they thought that was odd. Um, but I thought, maybe this is the night we'll get together. He got me a really cool present, and um, I was like, this is going to happen tonight. This is the guy that I love. I'm going I'm to be with him. Um, I was telling all my school friends, they're like, he seems, he seems quite odd, but it was fine. But then he jumped off the boat onto the bridge, and because he was being so weird, the boat company wouldn't let him back on. And I was like, oh, he's gone. Um, he's jumped off my boat party and left early. Um, and then, like, ten years later, he actually jumped off some cliffs and, and died um, so there's, there's no joke here. It's just some. This is really just tragedy. Um, so uh, I really need a joke. Maybe I did need a joke or a guinea pig video to show you all to cheer you all up. <laughs> it's not, and I don't have a joke about this. It's not. It's not really funny. I don't feel like. But I guess the thing I would say, to, the reason I bring it up now is that I feel when it first happened, I, f- I didn't feel sad at all. I wasn't even wearing a sombrero. I just felt guilty. I felt I didn't deserve to feel sad because I, I saw him very soon before he died. I didn't do anything. So it, it, I just felt really guilty. Um, and that's the kind of thing about this. this the, um, the thing that's really hard, I think, is that uh, the thing that I, I would change and try not to do again is to build up an image of someone that isn't true. Because when he died, I had two people to grieve for. One is the person that he was, and the second was the kind of Che Guevara figure that was in my head. Um, and then the fact that I didn't reconcile those two people when he was still alive is, is I mean, it's, it's hard to deal with. Um, so, uh, but I'm trying to be a comedian, so I should probably uh, try and lighten the mood. Um, I suppose one other thing that I was, was thinking about was, this was two, you know, two, one, this guy died and my other um, ex-boyfriend is, is now disabled. And I was also thinking at uh, the time, what everyone would probably think is, am I a witch? Have I done something to these people? And um, my, current, my now ex-boyfriend, who's, who's still alive, he's, he's fine, but he said to me, no, it's not that you're a witch, it's just that you, um, you go out with fucked up people, you don't fuck them up, and so, it's, just, it's just selection, so it's all fine. So if you're looking at me now thinking, she's kind of vulnerable, maybe I'll try and fuck her off the show. Uh, yeah, it's fine, you might, you might, you, there might be a risk involved in doing that. <laughs> uh, but then I do, I have a show, but I do eat meat, so, you know, there's some benefits too. Uh, <laughs> such, I really, it's such a horrible way to end this, um, but I will, um, <laughs> will end it. Um, I mean, I don't really want to end on that thought. Well, you guess one thing. 
I guess one thing that I have thought about is all this has happened and um, is just live while you're alive and you know do the things that you really love doing and so when I was a kid one of the things that I really loved doing was really good at was like doing impressions of guinea pigs so I might just leave you on a guinea pig impression if that's okay if I got time okay so um, <laughs> uh, but I should say that like um, you know when you're good at something at school and then you, you don't practice it and everyone else practices and they all get much better at it then you're just left with what you're like when you're seven like when you're good at maths like maths has moved on I'm worried the guinea pig impression has moved on this won't be good enough and it's like I've built it up now so I probably shouldn't have built it up so much but it might not be very good the guinea pig impression but oh, shall, I, shall I do the guinea pig impression okay um before I do do it, I should also just say that, like, I'm not gonna, I don't look like a guinea pig, I look like a vegetarian or like a rabbit or something, so I'm just imagine I look like a guinea pig. Okay, so you can, can you, you've got a good imagination, you can do that, right? I don't want to overrun, am I running on over time? Okay, well, I probably, maybe I won't, um, um, because like, it's, a, it's quite emotional, the guinea pig, I haven't done this on seven, so I feel like I want to rush it, and also, like, um, yeah, I feel like. I feel like it might be quite fun if I leave because everyone wants to, everyone kind of do you want a guinea pig impression? I feel like you do, which is a weird thing to want, but there might not be a good impression. Might, you know, it might not exist. It might be something we've all built up in our heads and doesn't really exist. Doesn't you know? Who knows? I don't really know. So I'm just going to leave you on that. Thanks. That's uh, that. <laughs> Susan Steed, everybody. See. I mean, that's what her emails were like, so that's why I booked her. Um, an Edinburgh connection, that kind of reminds me, we had the, the, the great uh, spoken word comedian uh, Robert Alton on, on stage at Edinburgh, and he, he built up the audience, getting them to, 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 to say maroon with him and then walked off in a similar way, leaving everybody kind of with kind of blue balls for... For, for shouting maroon I feel like I need to do what I did in Edinburgh was I did got everyone to shout maroon I can't do a, a, a guinea pig impression should we just shout maroon I know I can't do a guinea pig impression alright well instead of that I'll bring on the next act wow you're really getting one of the acts maybe they'll do a guinea pig impression you can just try and persuade every act to do a guinea pig impression alright so our next uh, performer she is uh, another person who sort of performed with us at the first time in Edinburgh uh, but, but I'd seen her before at Spark London she's uh, extra good she uh, is, uh, was doing a play up there called Winky uh, was it, is that Winky, right Winky? Yeah. I never saw it I'm sorry but I'm sure it was really good put your hands together for Lauren Stone <laughs> Um, when I was in the shower this morning, um, like, washing myself, like, like doing that, um, and I was trying to think of some sad jokes to tell, um, the only thing that was in my head was, um, the soundtrack to, a a sort of very old children's TV programme, um, called Champion the Wonder Horse, um, which I've never even seen. Um, but, but there it was all the same. I was w- sort of scrubbing my elbows and it was just going, Champion the Wonder Horse. I was like, oh, fuck off. And, and, then, it, and then I would just be scrubbing my elbows and I'd go, Champion the Wonder Horse. 
I was like, where is this coming from? I actually need some material. Champion the Wonder Horse. So um, I just figured that I would sing that. Possibly not for ten minutes straight. Um, I'm going to say some other stuff as well. Um, <laughs> it's prob- probably the worst in- introduction to a comedy gig I've ever done. Um, but uh, actually how I imagine my, my entrance to this set going is that I would come on stage and I'd go, hello everyone. And um the reason that I would do that is because it reminds me of um, Muppet Treasure Island um, because I don't know if anyone's familiar with the film Muppet Treasure Island but basically, you know the bit where like they're getting ready to go on the pirate ship and they haven't met the captain yet um, they haven't met this, this well, you know, it's, it's not a pirate ship, it's just a ship at that point but it becomes a pirate ship, it's very complicated but <laughs> the the, the yeah, like you don't even know that there are any pirates and then woo uh, and then um, uh, but you're beginning to suspect it I think it looks a bit sort of shod- shoddy anyway so there's this whole drama over who's going to be the captain of the ship and um and, and this kind of carriage draws up in front of the ship on docks when they've been doing some singing about the ship and the captain coming. And then um, a very tall, very grumpy, very miserable man steps out and there's this kind of hushed silence because they all think that that's the captain. And then he steps aside and it's Kermit the Frog and he goes, hello everyone, which is funny because he's a lot smaller in stature than the previous man um, and a lot less grumpy looking and also um, he's a frog. And, um, and I sort of just wish that like, I could uh, make an entrance as funny as that. Um, and I think maybe like basing your entire expectation of what the adult world is going to be like on the film Muppet Treasure Island is probably genuinely tragic. Um, But it isn't. Um, There are plenty more other tragic things. And anyway, actually, I probably bear more similarity to um, the the former man, the tall, grumpy man, not the little frog man. I bear a lot more resemblance to um, the the grumpy man because I look naturally sad. And I talked a bit about this in Edinburgh because in Edinburgh at the horrible old Edinburgh Festival um, <laughs> horrible lovely horrible lovely Edinburgh Festival um, uh, people kind of came up to me a lot and told me how sad I looked um, uh, um, which kind of in consequence made me sadder if, uh, it just became this kind of horrible infinite loop um, and it's, yeah, it's amazing that I'm sort of here actually um, <laughs> taking that brutal emotional beating um, but anyway I, I should have just told them I think maybe it was I was sort of drawn into sharper focus my sort of naturally morose expression was drawn into sharper focus by the fact that I was surrounded by impossibly cheerful drama students um, or like you know impossibly cheerful acapella groups singing champion the wonder horse no but like you know um, and I, I just I should have told them, um, I'm from London, and everyone in London looks like that. Um, and now I've come back, come back to the belly of the beast, and, um, and, and everyone looks sad on the tube, and everyone looks sad. Uh, um, and, and, and I feel kind of quite sort of at home, in a way. Um, and I, I heard a horrible thing um, about, about, about the tube, which is that uh, a friend of mine... Um, said 
uh, it's a brilliant place to cry. <laughs> I was like, don't know where you brought that up, weird. But um, uh, it's great, because now I can do a joke about it. Uh, but she said, she said it's a, it a brilliant place to cry, because nobody gives a fuck. You can stand, uh, stand on the underground in the armpit of a businessman and... And then uh, you can just have a good old cry about whatever's going on in your life. Um, and nobody will ask you what the problem is. And I think, like, yeah, maybe she's right. And in a way, it's comforting. And in a way, it's completely awful. Um, and I think you can do that in Edinburgh as well. You could do that at the Edinburgh Festival. Horrible, lovely, horrible, horrible... <laughs> horrible festival and um and you can do that but and and you can have a and you can have a cry and you can have a cry on the train in edinburgh you can have a cry in the park um but people tend to kind of gather around you and think it's a performance um (laughs) and they don't offer you any help they just sit back making kind of you know criticism going oh this absolutely isn't as good as the thing that i saw at pleasance you're like well just fuck off or give me some money Um, so yeah basically like London's quite funny um, and horrible and funny and horrible in that you can cry on the train and no one will ask you if you're okay Um, and I but my the thing that I hate most is um, uh, god this is very like negative but I'm going to do it anyway um, the thing that I hate most is is when you know you get a train announcement uh, there there are delays and and people are, you're, you're on a packed train or you're on a packed platform and there's a, a, a sort of thing where they announce and they say, you know, uh, due to a person under a train, there'll be some delays. And specifically, the worst, the thing that I hate the most is just the little sigh. Someone in the, in the train or someone on the platform will let out a little annoyed sigh. Like, And... I can hear it from, like, a hundred miles away. Not that I would even need to, because it's always the person next to me. And it's somebody just expressing a dissatisfaction that, like, the bloody awful thing of somebody jumping in front of a train or would interfere with their day. They're like, oh, I'm on my way to get a latte. You know, and it just it's just awful. And basically, I think that... Really, everybody should just look after each other and talk to each other. And instead of doing the little annoyed sigh on the train when that announcement happens, I feel like people should talk to each other and just kind of go, oh, isn't that a bloody awful thing? And everyone should just look after each other and maybe sing a song. Everyone should look after each other like the good guys in the Muppets. And then, like, all the jerks should just be left on a desert island to, like, rot forever, like... Tim Curry um, in the film Muppet Treasure Island whose name always reminds me of Tinned Curry Um, and that's it thanks guys Lauren Stone everyone
Okay, so now I'm going to bring on the last tragic performer of this act, and then we're going to have a break after this. So uh, she runs a a, a brilliant press called Allographic Press. Um, She's got... uh, She uh, runs Other Voices, which she was doing in Edinburgh, which is an amazing show. Uh, She also is in in charge of the kind of Cambridge section of the Hammer and Tongue, and she's come from Cambridge today. Uh, Hammer and Tongue are doing a big thing in the... uh, Royal Albert Hall on the 27th this weekend. Uh, I'm all right. Yeah, brilliant. It's always good when I've done my research. And uh, yeah, so you should uh, check that out if you want to. Uh, You can find her at uh, www.fayroberts.co.uk. She was like part of one of my favourite moments that happened at the Fringe. Like, she started the show, uh, and then we had two other performers, one of whom's in the audience, uh, Tama Katan and uh, Sophia Walker, uh, performed after her. And this was like three perfect notes that just played so perfectly, like all linking in. Like, normally our show, because it was five different acts, it's like different emotion, different emotion, different emotion. But this was like the same kind of an emotion and then a development of that and emotion and then a kind of wonderful kind of understanding of that emotion it wasn't happy emotions it was uh, it was all themes of uh, you know war and identity and uh, like stuff big stuff but it was like so brilliantly said those three people so you should check out that, that, that I really, we released that as one podcast together called A Tragic World it's like one of my favourite things that Stand Up Tragedy ever done so I beseech you to listen to it and welcome to the stage Faye Roberts evening oh, good build up love it this first one is Every single word of it is true. It's called Thanatos and Eros, though. She'd carved a runic cunt on the side of his car on that ancient borderland between codependent territories. The last two were okay, she says, but the first two letters were bastards, totally unsatisfactory. I reflect on texts for some knee-hugging seconds and suggest that next time... She uses twat. <laughs> Eleven lines straight to the point. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, in the, in the uh, spirit of professionalism, which we've been talking about earlier, I thought I'd do a new one. Hmm. Um, why not? Uh, and it's completely outside the usual style of thing that I do. Uh, so... Bear with me. <laughs> Supportive, tragic crowd. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to launch into it and we'll see what happens if there's a dead silence afterwards. I know my answer. It's called grit. Sometimes it feels like I'm tied to my own life, a vestigial sibling just listening and writhing. At times I bite myself. I barely know what it's like to even like myself. I strive through welts. A nagging sensation backs up every high and I won't lie, it's not nice. I cry sometimes and it won't help that constant nag that calls me a dumb whelp. I still feel the stinging lash from a thick belt, a wee scalp. I'll help you sing the right song, but you're wrong, old voice. Your violent cloister hoists me from choice, locks me from love, covers me in cotton wool that muffles me horribly, dry docks my options and mocks my autonomy. 
I'm locked down some days in a maze of ways. I'm not lazy. Lots of options lock me crazy. I'm dazed, emblazoned with my own brand of everything I could be. A bleak landscape of the unborn haunting me. A gaze of ambitions refuting my email. Absolution eludes me. Excuse me? They say, get over it. But what we've got is a glover... Dover cliff of shit and I could spit exulting bars into a ladder towards the summit but I doubt it sees snakes make the way dangerous and some I bring with me submitting to the seductiveness of the reduction of the proper me excuse me your abuse removed me from self and now my health's dependent on spending my wealth on help poor little rich girl dug herself a ditch while the whirly gig of beds and bled herself till she was sick brick me up dust me down tell me it's all better now chuck me over chalk my bounds got to turn that frown around Maybe strength is a burden I could do without. Doubt crusting every edge, intention, reckless, the ability to plan a kind of backwards blessing. I'm tempted to buckle down, knuckle frowns, heft misfortune in a knapsack gifted me by generations of clever, desperate, angry people. See, it's mapped out in front of me, and I crave and refuse it with the same breath, the breadth of horizons derisory, incising my insides, clipping my instep, hobbling ankles to the cankers of what should be. And could we press distance and blister hearts with insistence, we'd be hope charms. And dope qualms with sloped palms, we'd be jokers who poke fun at those yoked psalms that harm dreams with habit. And clap our ambitions into prison, staked with the sins of our families. When I've climbed to the high place, I'm able to say it, come on. Take pride in your light, rise your eyes to the skies, make a place for that toxic voice that denies and redorizes deride sing it to sleep with sweet songs and put it where it belongs while you climb onto those beckoned horizons bedecked in hope and i'll hide this note for my future selves for when they delve depths and drop steps and tremble to tell them to strap wheels to the things they can't heal and ease the weight into heft for their slingshot dreams Um, I think at least two people in this audience are going to get this one and I hope the rest of you do too I wrote this for a um, a, a radio show we do in Cambridge, Rebel Arts Women's Radio the theme for that month was uh, women's sexuality and this is written for all the things I wish they'd written down somewhere for confused, lonely, teenage queer teenage me it's called Addenda. It's one small step for mankind and a giant leap for you. You thought the journey starts with just one footfall and all you need to do is fall forward, defying gravity, perfectly balanced in brand new boots and fly. They would have better said, never mind perfection, just take the plunge because that standing jump is just the first of many. And even when those boots are moulded close as loving skin, every step is you expounding pronouns, saying, these shoes that fit are 10% of all you see, but reason to love or hate the one you think is me. So mind your step, because the journey still goes on. They never said, you'll be striding boldly forth, more naked than the nameless day when you were born, exposed and oh so instantly invisible erased from history you'll be looking for the roots of how you came to be reaching through secret glass to an unrecorded past gasping for lack of shared air you will become detective historian hysterical or bored pawing through clues stuck back in the place of sieving hints that others ever felt like you they never told you that the first time might be awful (laughs) 
more tawdry, more disappointing than any heterosexual liaison, a long plummet from a tall plinth, instinct serving you less well than Judy Bloom and textbooks ever did. Turns out same sex does not mean same body, same history, same ticklish bits and glitches, just a similar list of hits and misses. And they never told you how slow wisdom gifts your bed, the pleasure of discovery, the countless ways two near-same bodies twist and fit together, seamless and daring, multiplying variety, writhing, humming and deriding the rigidity of procreative activity. You'll dance and quiver, shiver in the warmth of mirrored flesh, the deaf delight of their eyes lighting soft and hard, and all you dreamed and more. This was never written. Temptation will disgrace the days when you smile at queer jokes, poke fun at those celebrities, brittle giggles stocking homeward steps because acceptance seems less work than truth. Those days when you take off your badge, kiss the double standard of invisibility, shiver in the musty dark for the safe sake of job promotions, nosy neighbours fitting in. No one told you how straight folk will tell you that homophobia is over now and everything is great because you're state-sanctioned, wrapped in legal comforts and soap characters and charity. And you will sigh and add another number to the queer appendix, tick your bingo list and patiently not bristle. Maybe this one will listen when you tell them. They never mentioned all the days you'll crave the conventional, not to let go of a hand, no, for the days when it isn't defiance, stares or gasps, just a safe clasp, the everyday press, press of flesh on flesh, the reminder of her beginning and your end. When you kiss her in the street and no one even notices, when it's only farewell hammering in your chest, nothing more, nothing less. When boring blesses with a miracle of normal. Ta. Thank you very much. Um, I have one more short one. Um, people call me the, the Welsh whisperer. Well, some people call me the Welsh whisperer. I've been trying to lose that one, but it's never going to go. Um, what they don't know, perhaps, is I have a bit of a secret. This one's called Tarantella. Bitten, smitten, I'm skittering around the edge. Will my next step hit or miss? It's a fever, a quaking, a shaking in the bones and belly, a thunder under the high wine, blinding, lost to redness. Stamp it out, stamp it out, stamp it out. And then breath spent, where does it go, that dancing heat that twists in short steps, short steps, sharp heat, heart? Where does it go, that dancing heat that twists in short steps, sharp heels hard to gut floor? Maybe it rocks, sings itself to sleep, the notes uncoupling, flying free, if the tune's heard end to end. But if it stifles, sick in silence, it turns on itself, a jagged spindle for a bitter weaving. It makes a web through which to see but be unseen, a web stretching everywhere cobweb dust of muffled rage thickens in the throat, all other notes poisoned, hung to kick. Tread softly. Its threads are all around. Trip, and you might pluck one to summon the hunter that waits in silent hungry caverns for the wrong step. Have a lovely night.
Hey, Roberts, everybody! So now it's uh, the end of this act. It's a good time to go over to the uh, bar area and have a look at the merch that Faye has brought with her that you can purchase today. And also have a check out our stuff that we'll give you if you uh, give us some money. And check out what the live scriber is doing. Get yourself a drink and do all those things really quickly because we're overrunning. Yes! Now remember, you can follow the tragedy at Stand Up for tragedy on twitter you can make friends with the tragedy or like the tragedy on facebook we're stand up tragedy over there you can read the blog posts that we send out of including tragic fiction and tragic non-fiction and keep up to date with all things tragedy related over at www.standuptragedy.co.uk and if you want to support the tragedy financially you can do that over there by donating to the tragic cause don't forget to come to the live show tragic horror at the hackney attic on the 25th of october the tickets are already available, so check out the Hackney Picture House, get some tickets. They're £5 in advance, £7 on the door, so it pays to get your tragedy early. And next week, we'll have another instalment of Tragic Friends for your listening pleasure. But for now, the tragedy is over. It's time to go. This podcast was put together by me with sound recording by Stephen Harvey and music from Sam Wilkinson and George Brufton. Is a